Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right, well listen, I got lots to cover. Uh, We are continuing the Grace and Truth series, which is our year-long series, uh, and really talking about Jesus, because Jesus, it says in uh, John that uh, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. So we're digging deep into this idea of grace, and and this final part of the Grace series is about the grace gifts, and that's really an overview of the spiritual gifts that the Bible teach um, uh, are active uh, and our expressions of grace. And the term charismatic gifts is based on the word charis, which is most often translated grace. And so when you talk about charismatic gifts, uh, that means they're grace gifts. And uh, so grace not only transforms us within, and aren't you happy about that? Grace has the power to change us inwardly, from uh, people bound by sin and, uh, and uh, all the other issues of life. Uh, but it also is meant to equip us to do good works. And that very verse that says that we're saved by grace actually says unto good works that the Lord prepared for us to do beforehand. So that's in Ephesians uh, 2.10. So <clears throat> it saves us, it redeems us, it rescues us, but it also equips us to do stuff for God. And all of the gifts are extensions of Jesus' ministry because Jesus is the source of grace. He's the fullness of grace. And so uh, when we look at Jesus' life, if you read the Gospels, you'll see the gifts operating in the life and in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so that means operating in spiritual gifts are an essential part of living a Christ, being Christ-like, living as a Christ, Christ-like as a disciple. And so there's a direct connection. It's not like extra credit. All right? It's not like you, you're, a Christ, you're a Christ follower when you avoid sin and live righteous. Well, yeah, that's a good start. <laughs> but Jesus didn't just not sin. You, know, you can't define anything by using negatives. All right? That's just a general truth. If, you know, if you say Jesus didn't sin, okay, great. But what did he do? All right, he sat around all day, not sinning. No, he did a lot, right? The story's much more exciting when you read all the things he did, not all the things he didn't do. And too much of church is talking about things you're not supposed to do. All right. And we need to talk about stuff we're supposed to be doing. So what are we supposed to be doing? Well, this is a series on stuff that uh, are expressions of Christ that we can do. So we're going to look at three of the grace gifts today. uh, Healing and miracles and discernment or discerning of spirits. Uh, These three gifts are clearly supernatural gifts. And of all the gifts, least like a natural talent or personality trait. Okay? So, you know, it's just like, you can't fake these ones. Uh, Well, actually, some people do fake them, but, (laughs) you know, these are gifts that that really rely on supernatural intervention by the power of God. But it's the same spirit, when you read through this passage, I'm going to read next, that gives all of the gifts. So these gifts are not more spiritual uh, than, than a gift of teaching, 
or the gift of mercy, or the gift of administration, all the other gifts that are listed. They're no, they're no more spiritual. It doesn't give you extra credit uh, it, because they're all given by the same Spirit and they're all manifestations of the same Spirit. So we're going to read these, find these in the passage in Corinthians where it lists um, uh, the, the primary gifts. First uh, Corinthians 12, I'm going to read the whole thing from 7 to 11. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given the gift of a uh, word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gift of healings, that's the one I'm going to talk about today, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and that's the last one I'm going to talk about today, uh, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these together, distributing to each one individually as He wills. The emphasis is on that this is, this is the Spirit doing it, and, it, he, and it's the same Spirit that works all of these, continues, uh, or that's uh, three important points, I want to, general points that apply to all of the gifts that I want to pull out of that passage before we start talking about healing and uh, miracles and discernment. <clears throat> One, uh, the, uh, based on this, this verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So it's very important. Everybody say very important. Very important. Okay, that we understand that these are manifestations of the Spirit. The manifestation, big long word, a lot of syllables, it just means uh, the expression or a bestowment. I actually like the definition of the, of the making known to the five senses. So it's, it's manifesting is revealing to your sight, your hearing, your touch, your taste, or your smell. <laughs> All right, so we, we, it makes it tangible. Okay, so it's expressions of the Holy Spirit invading into our tangible uh, world. And so, um, <clears throat> and guess what? This is not even a New Testament thing. This is a God thing. Because we read it in the Old Testament prophecy, prophet Zechariah chapter 4, 6, this is an angel speaking to the uh, ruler of uh, Israel, says, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, speaking to the obstacle that was uh, Zerubbabel and the Israelites were, were facing at that time? Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace. Grace to it, okay? So it's the power of grace operating through the, the man of God, Zerubbabel, that brought down the obstacle that was hindering the people of God. And so this is just how God works. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's consistent. Uh, it was a manifestation of the Spirit. The second general point is it's given to each one. And uh, the, that each one is a superlative of how do you say it, Mark? Hekas? Hekas. Uh, which means, as a superlative, so I was like emphasizing this. It's every single one. Each one. Uh, each and every one. Man, woman, everyone. Uh, particularly, every single one. It's like really emphasizing the point. 
It's given to each one. So no one is exempt from the gifts. Every Christ follower has access to these gifts. Now, this is the thing. You can have access, but if you, if you don't believe you have access, for whatever reason, maybe you don't think you're qualified or you heard some teaching that these don't work anymore, you know, God can give you the gift and it'll sit there and rust in your closet. All right? <clears throat> but the Bible says these gifts are available to each and everyone, and it actually emphasizes that. And the third general point is that it's for the benefit of everyone. It's not for your benefit, but it's for the benefit of the whole. And uh, so the diversity of the gifts, all the different gifts operating together, operating out of the motivation of love, should produce and will produce, if it's done uh, in a godly way, unity and community in in the body of Christ so that we're a powerful force in our community to change the world. And I like how the New Living Translation translates that same portion of the Scripture because it just makes it real simple. Uh, spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And so you just need, you need to believe it. <clears throat> and in our world, and especially in our culture, because we live in America, uh, and we're in the 21st century, and we have all these electronic gadgets and powerful tools and incredible medicine that can do incredible things, and thank God for all of that, we are not as dependent on some of the spiritual gifts that uh, people in third world countries that don't have any of that stuff, it's like they either get spiritually healed or they die. And so there's more desperation. There's also more expectation because they've seen it. And the, the, it's, there's, there's a lower barrier of belief because they depend on... Uh, uh, the supernatural, and then they also see, uh, especially in certain parts of the world, uh, supernatural demonic activity more actively. And so uh, our prosperity actually can hinder our ability to see the supernatural provision of God because we're so reliant on the natural provision that we uh, are used to. Does that make sense? And so this is why you see it in other places, in third world countries more, because there's a, there's a greater hunger. There's also less of a, a less disbelief in the supernatural, and there's a lot more uh, uh, seeking after. Yeah. All right, so healing. <clears throat> yeah, first one we're going to talk about is healing. It was obviously, if you read through the Gospels, an essential aspect of Jesus' ministry and what he commissioned his disciples to do. And, you know, there's so many verses I could have picked, but I just grabbed a couple. Matthew 4, Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. And then when Jesus sent out his disciples to to be Christians, to, to do ministry, he said, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So that's Jesus' training regimen, his instructions to his disciples about how to do uh, kingdom work. <clears throat> Are you a disciple of Jesus? Yes. Okay, so that's, you know, he's not a respecter of persons. It's the same instructions Jesus would give you if he was standing here today 
and, because that's what it, it's written in his book. And just a personal example, <clears throat> I've seen lots and lots of healings, um, some very dramatic. This particular healing <clears throat> was the most dramatic uh, for a number of reasons. It was the first time I went to Mexico to minister, and Mark was with me. This was, were you in this church? You weren't at this church, okay. This was the fourth church we ministered to that trip. Uh, it was the first church that had walls. <laughs> I think it was an old Baptist church or something. The guy was, it was a really nice building, but it was a brand new church. And I was so tired. We'd been ministering. This is, we were down there for like 10 days. It was supposed to be our day off. This the last day of the trip. We were flying home on Monday. And so we were like, we weren't going to do any ministry on Sunday, but uh, <clears throat> on Saturday night, we were driving back from another city, and, and Arturo, the leader, he was like, oh, Cameron, this, this pastor's a small church, it's a new church, and, you know, they're very poor, <clears throat> he said, they, and they've, they've never had a, a, an American, a foreigner, common minister at their church, and it would mean so much to them, and I'm like, okay, Arturo, let's go. Uh, even though I was exhausted. <clears throat> and so we get up and go in the morning, just a few people there. The pastor's uh, on the drum, and I think it was his dad playing the guitar. Uh, and they were just worshiping him with all their heart. But that little boy up in front, you can see it in the picture there with the arrow pointing at him. Uh, at a certain part of the service, they, they prayed for healing, and that was actually Josh. Uh, has he been here? <clears throat> Josh Muse, he's the leader of the ministry in Mexico. So he, he, he prayed for them. Oh, no, Josh wasn't there. It was Arturo who prayed. Uh, and they were just praying for people sick. And they, this boy had chronic debilitating asthma. He couldn't breathe. All right? And there was no treatment for him down there. And so he just dealt with it. And um, <clears throat> it was his mother standing right there to, next to him. And so... They prayed for him, nothing happened. They said, Cameron, just, just keep your hands on him and pray for him for a while. And so they kept praying for the other people. And as I stood there just praying for him, it took like 10 minutes. As many as you can't exhale is actually the problem that prevents you from breathing properly. So he could breathe in more because he could... And his chest, I could feel his chest getting bigger and bigger. And, it, I could, and his eyes got big. And his mom starts crying. And he starts jumping. And he literally, this little boy, the little boy doesn't fake it. He's running around the building so happy that he can breathe, completely healed. And praise God. It was so fun to see. And uh, actually, I didn't get pictures. There was a woman who's not here yet, she came in late in the service, they had to carry her in. She couldn't walk uh, because she had an uh, open wound in her abdomen, and they prayed for her, and at the end of the service, she was up walking around, she was healed. And so those incredible healings that we see uh, when we believe, and they believe, <clears throat> uh, it was great. So healing continues throughout the New Testament. Um, in the book of Mark, it's actually part of the Great Commission, uh, it, it says, uh, and they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Right. Is the Great Commission still in effect? All right, and so, so that's still in effect. Healing was a prominent part of the ministry of the church throughout the whole book of Acts. Okay, and, and in James, we read this written by a pastor of the church in Jerusalem to the church that had been dispersed throughout all of 
uh, Asia and part of Europe after the persecution arose. <clears throat> and so this is later on in a church age, and he's just writing to a bunch of churches that are out all over the, that part of the, the, country, uh, the world. He said, Is any, um, uh, anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, not the apostles, the elders of the church. Who are the elders of the church? Just uh, people in the church that have proven themselves faithful and placed in a position of authority. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So do we quote that verse, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? Every Christian quotes that. But realize that that was in the context of physical healing. Now, the effective, fervent prayer uh, of a righteous man concerning anything avails much, but you can't just erase the context out of a passage, uh, and, and, and that's, that's just incorrect interpretation. And so that's talking about people who are sick getting healed. Healing is taught, therefore, as an ongoing part in ministry of the church and not limited just to the apostles. James's letter wasn't to the apostles, it was just to people in churches. In fact, it could be said that without supernatural healing, we cannot claim to be a biblical church. So I like saying to that, my, that to my fundamentalist friends, <clears throat> because I tell them I'm more fundamental than a fundamentalist. All right? Seriously. Like, I, I, the Bible says that I believe it, you got to do it. <laughs> you know, and it even means that kind of stuff. And so uh, it's, it's understanding, and this, this is what, we all have a fundamentalist in us, okay? <laughs> I've been in a spirit-filled church that teaches and, and acts, operates in the spiritual gifts since uh, I was 19. Uh, that's a long time. We're talking many decades. Um, <clears throat> but I still struggle. When, when I was praying for that little boy, I was like, I wonder if anything's going to happen. You know, and then it happens, and it builds your faith. Healing can be instant. We love those, all right? Or gradual, as seen in the ministry of both Jesus and throughout the New Testament, all right? Even with Jesus, it wasn't instantaneous always. And with Jesus, certain times, he couldn't heal many, right? Because of their unbelief. So certain things can hinder healing. If, the, if Jesus' ministry of healing could be hindered, you know, don't be surprised if you pray for somebody and they don't get healed. I guarantee you this, that you'll see more people get healed through your prayer if you pray for sick people than if you don't pray for sick people. That's true. Right? And so it, sometimes it takes hundreds or thousands until you see the first amazing miracle. Uh, and just don't give up. Miracles. Wow, this is the next one. This is actually most often translated from the Greek word dunamis, which means a literal or figurative force, specifically miraculous power. And so the word that's translated miracle is 
miraculous power, ability, abundance, meaning might, workers of miracles, power, and strength. So Acts 1.8, you shall receive power, dunamis, supernatural, miraculous power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Was that commissioned to just those men that heard Jesus say that? No, that's the commission to who? The church, right? Because we know that's true because those guys didn't make it to the ends of the earth. We're still trying to get to the ends of the earth, all right? And so it could not have been intended. The original intent of that command by Jesus could not have been just to those uh, 12 or 11 at the time. Uh, It had to be to the church because we're still working it out. And so if the commission to preach to the ends of the earth is to the church, then the uh, endowment of miraculous power is to the church, all right, in order to get the job done. So as in Jesus' ministry, the working of miracles continues in the church throughout the New Testament. It's all the way throughout the New Testament. All kinds of crazy things happen. And is equated to being a witness with Jesus. So this is, I I mentioned this a few weeks ago when I did a quick survey, but I went and found the picture. Um, So this is something that I personally saw. I've seen some things that were inexplicable, but this is this. This tops the list, okay? Uh, and so a friend of mine, he had a, he had a friend, uh, a pastor, who was in Africa. And uh, I was there when my friend got this uh, picture sent to him from his fellow pastor in Africa. And he said, hey, Cameron, look at this. Uh, I said, what the heck is that? <clears throat> he said, well, this pastor was praying for this man that had uh, an artificial elbow <clears throat> And it had uh, never really worked well, and it had given him chronic pain for a long time, many, many, many years. And so the minister prayed for the man, and, uh, you know, nothing happened. And so the man went home and went to bed, and the next morning he woke up, and he didn't have any pain in his elbow, but he noticed there was something in his bed. And he picked it up, and he went, what in the heck is this thing? And it turns out it was the artificial elbow. Yeah, way. <laughs> so they, he took it to the doctor, and the doctor checked the serial number, and he said, yep, that's the one we installed in your elbow 15 years ago. And then my wife, who was an operating room nurse, I thought that that white stuff was part of the bone. She said, no, that's the cement they used to cement it into the bone. I was like, wow. So he not only took out the metal, he took out the cement and gave him a brand new elbow. That's a miracle, okay? That's not a healing. That's like a what? And you know, nobody got famous. Like, I don't know who this guy is. Nobody got, this is some TV evangelist making money off of a, you know, Send me your money, I'll give you a vial of oil. And you too can get a new elbow. This is just some guy in some church because he's, he prayed for some sick person and a miracle happened. So uh, There's a man who, uh, uh, Randy Clark, <clears throat> wrote his, he's, he prays for sick a lot. That's his main uh, ministry. He preaches and teaches all over the world. But 
Um, the thing that he kind of got a specialty in is praying for people with metal like rods in their body, and they and they they melt out of people's bodies. Okay, it sounds weird. I've never seen it. It's hard to believe. But he did his doctoral thesis and got a doctorate degree. And in a doctoral thesis, you have to prevent, present evidence in the paper. And so, and he got his doctorate on supernatural removal of medical uh, 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 medical instruments, metal, in people's body through prayer. And you can listen to stories. You can probably go on YouTube and, <clears throat> and hear him tell. I've heard him tell stories, and you just go, you know, those are miracles, all right? Um, now I like, when we talk about miracles, you know, Jesus walked in the water, right? He uh, walked through walls and stuff like that. All kinds of miracles throughout Scripture. <clears throat> Axe heads floating, all kinds of crazy things. Um, but in Acts, we have this passage, and I like to bring this out when I talk about miracles. This is Paul, while he was ministering in Ephesus, and it was a great revival. When Paul arrived there, there was only about a dozen uh, disciples, and he started teaching them. Um, but then a revival broke out, and lots of people were being healed. In fact, it says, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so even handkerchiefs or aprons that were brought from his body to the sick, uh, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. So this is like, what was happening in Ephesus during Paul's ministry was unusual. You know what the word unusual means? It doesn't normally happen. Even for Paul. Paul went to city after city after city. But only this time, during this one period in Ephesus, did this kind of stuff happen. And when it was happening here in Ephesus, it wasn't happening in Jerusalem at the church. Or in a Galatia at the church over there, or in, in the Corinthian, they were like, hey, have you heard about what's going on in Ephesus? Yeah, like, hey, let's go over there and check it out. All right? So it, why does this happen? We don't know. There's no explanation in Scripture why when Paul was in Ephesus, he was operating on a level of the miraculous that he normally didn't operate on. All right? And we see this throughout church history where there's seasons of increased miraculous activity in a certain place or a certain time. And we also see both in Scripture, you know, between the prophet Malachi and John the Baptist, you know how long there was without a prophet? 400 years! What would that be? What year? I'm really bad at math. 1600s or 1700s? Okay. Yeah, so 1619. All right, that was before. When did Columbus sail the sea? It was 200 years after Columbus. Interesting. <laughs> what happened in the 1600s? Who knows? There you go. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. wonder if there was never anything happened for 400 years. Listen, I just told you a couple of stories of stuff that happened in the last 
two years, three years. <clears throat> um, sometimes there's 40 years, 80, hundreds of years between activities. That's normal. What's unusual is when uh, uh, miracles happen a lot. So we're living in a day when miracles are happening a lot. And you can go to certain places like Bethel and California. They have so many miracles. It's crazy. I have a, a friend, <coughs> uh, Demos, that is a Ukrainian. And his church in the Ukraine, uh, all they did was they put little video clips of people telling their healing on the, on the Internet. And they had the most visited Russian language website in the world. All right, incredible revival happened. Uh, he's a humble guy. You know, have you met him? He's a little skinny guy. Uh, <clears throat> incredible faithful. So we don't know why. It just is the way it works. So if you don't see a miracle, you don't stop praying for miracles. All right? You just go, oh, it didn't happen. But I believe God's word, and I believe that God can heal. It, the guy got prayed for the elbow. He didn't see anything until the next morning. So it might be a, tomorrow. It might be a week from now. Uh, chronic conditions require chronic prayer. Let's don't give up. All right. Last one we're going to talk about, <clears throat> discernment or discerning of spirits. Um, this is probably the most difficult to understand because a miracle, well, miracle is a miracle. Healing, people get, that are sick get better. But discernment is the supernatural or spiritual ability to know what's really going on. Okay? Or to sense the activity of the Holy Spirit fleshly spirits, or evil spirits. Too often, people only define discernment as the ability to dis, uh, discern evil spirits. Uh, discerning evil spirits uh, and human spirits, that's entry-level discernment. Okay? It's, it's kind of easy. It's like when, you, when you're walking down the street and a, and a dog, a mean dog is barking at you, it's not really hard to notice that. Okay, because demons are like dogs, and they nip and bark. <clears throat> Big ones bark, little ones nip. All right? <laughs> it's more difficult to see the angel on the street protecting you from the demon. All right? Okay, so let's give some biblical example of discernment. Mark 2.8, this is Jesus. This is immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit. He didn't figure this out in his mind. This was a spiritual discernment. Uh, that they were reasoning within himself. So he wasn't discerning a demon. He was discerning the, their, their spirits, the motivation of their hearts, uh, the uh, Pharisees that were listening to him. And he said, why do you reason about these things in your heart? And so that's Jesus operating in the gift of discernment, uh, reading, as you were, uh, through the spiritual gift. This is different than intuition, and it's different than the uh, uh, witch craft uh, gift of mind reading. <clears throat> this is God, you hearing from God, Holy Spirit, uh, a revelation of what's going on in someone's heart. Another example is when Jesus encountered uh, um, uh, Nathaniel. <clears throat> it says, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. So Jesus knew something about this man, even though he had never met him. And Nathaniel answered and said, how do you know me? How do you know me? And Jesus said to him, before Philip called you, you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. 
And so discernment is often seeing something in your mind's eye. Sometimes it can be a literal vision. But it's often you see something. And what I'm telling you, when that happens, when you see something, like, wow, that's kind of weird. And then it happens. And you go, whoa. You know, whoa. <laughs> you, and after that happens a number of times, you begin to trust that that's, oh, that's a discernment. You know, uh, and so you you and you have like a supernatural anticipation. It's spider sense. <laughs> if you watch the Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man. There you go. <laughs> it's just for Mark's sake, I have to put in a movie reference. <laughs> you know what's going to happen before it actually happens. And here, this is Jesus discerning spiritually. Now, let me just quick uh, condition here. Um, um, most people say, well, of course Jesus could do that. He's God. But the Bible clearly teaches, and all Orthodox theologians, uh, evangelical theologians, uh, generally agree on this principle that when Jesus was on the earth in this human body, he set aside his divine privileges. He was fully divine. He didn't set aside his divinity, but he didn't operate in his divine powers. He operated as a man to be the example of what we are to be as men and women, Christ followers. Okay, And so Jesus was, he was tapping into the spiritual gift of discernment that's available to you and I. <clears throat> Here's one <clears throat> where Paul actually picks up on a demon spirit. It says, now it happened as he went to a prayer, this is Paul, uh, that a certain slave girl, <laughs> this also was in Ephesus, with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. The girl uh, followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. Now, most evangelists would call that woman up on the stage and say, Listen, this is one, a woman that lives here. What does he Yes! See, she knows the truth. What she said was true. But Paul was what? Greatly annoyed. <laughs> Turned and said to the Spirit, uh, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he, that Spirit, came out of her that very hour. Not immediately, it took an hour. But I want to point out, and this is really super important, <clears throat> how did Paul sense the discernment of the Holy Spirit. What did Paul feel? What? He was annoyed. You know how the Holy Spirit felt? Annoyance. So the next time you feel annoyed, <laughs> ask yourself, do this. Ask yourself. Is this the Holy Spirit? Is this a spiritual discernment? And it might be. Because maybe you're not just annoyed at the behavior of somebody, but you're being, you're being annoyed at the spirit behind that behavior. And your response is not to get mad at the person, but to command the spirit to leave. Ha. Shaba. That's spiritual authority that God has given the church to change the world. So I have to, ha I have to operate in the gift of discernment. 
And one of the ways I normally feel uh, uh, a discernment of a demonic activity is not annoyance, <clears throat> but anxiety. And so if I'm like just anxious, I'm like, what, what is going on, you know? And it used to take me days or weeks, but now I, I, I usually figure it out pretty quickly. But it usually takes me at least a day or two before I go, wait a minute, why am I feeling this way? And I go, oh, I'm feeling anxious for no reason. Pray. And as soon as I start, especially if I start praying, or praying in tongues especially, and the anxiety completely goes away, then I know for sure. Oh, this is not just I'm worried about something. This is a spirit, so there's some spiritual dynamic going on. So anxiety can be a way that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has to use your natural physical body and emotions to communicate with your brain. All right? <clears throat> and so feelings like a bad feeling in your gut, even an upset stomach, sometimes is a spiritual discernment trying to tell you there's something not healthy in this situation. All right? Especially if it comes on suddenly, and if you leave a situation or a circumstance, it goes away, then it's not something you ate. And so learning how to, to key into those kind of things is part of discernment. Okay, here's one more example. I'm almost done here, folks. 1 Corinthians 2. <clears throat> this is discerning the Holy Spirit. God has revealed then the mysteries of God th to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? He's talking about our human spirit, our spirits, the spirit of a man, uh, the spirit within us, knowing the things of the Spirit of God through uh, the Spirit of God teaching us. Even so, no one knows the things of God except, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So we have the ability to spiritually discern the gifts that God has given us by our spirit if we learn how to operate in this. This is beyond human wisdom. It's being able to spiritually know uh, the, the impartation that God has for you uh, through his spirit by the gift of discernment. Okay, general rules about how spiritual gifts work. Uh, Jesus said concerning the Holy Spirit that if you ask, it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any, uh, from any father, Father's Day, among you, <clears throat> will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And with the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, comes all access to all of the spiritual gifts. And uh, You may have a particular gift, but the Holy Spirit has the ability to uh, enable you to operate in any of the gifts if need be. <clears throat> So the gifts of the Holy Spirit need to be sought after. Uh, Paul says this, pursue them, pursue love, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. How do you do that? Jesus told us. You have to ask. When's the last time you asked God 
to give you the gift of healing or discernment or any of the spiritual gifts. We ask him, God, give me a raise. God, give me a new car. My car's broke down. And those are good things. Ask God for those things. God, give me peace. Give me victory over this sin. Okay, okay. But boy, you know, if you ask God for the power to do the things that God wants you to get doing, God's gonna, his ears are going to perk up. And, oh, yeah, sure, I'll give you that. Now you're getting it. And I'll tell you, if you start operating in these gifts, all of those other needs tend to get taken care of more easily. But you need to seek and you need to knock for them. You need to be persistent. So when Jesus said that, that he was talking about the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, that you need to be persistent. You need to seek after them. You need to keep knocking and keep asking until you see them operating in your life. And at this weird website, why it's called Kodachrome.org, I have no idea. But there's this test that you can take, and it'll tell you which gifts that you probably have a, an inclination toward. <clears throat> but again, you can seek and ask for, in fact, one place it says, ask for the greater gifts. And so, and the greater gifts are the ones that uh, are benefit more people, okay? So, because that's the goal is the benefit of all. So, if your motivation is love and it manifests the diversity of the body and it promotes the unity of Christ in the church, uh, it's going to be uh, biblical and it's going to be appropriate for you and your life.